Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, she's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the Your host, Beth Ann. And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio. It is my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. We're going to go straight to the Lord in Prayer. A prayer from online that I thought I really, really liked. I'm kind of uh, thinking about doing a little change. We're still going to do our prayer, but a little change up. As I feel like Beth gets in a rut and says the same things every day. Not that that's a bad thing, but uh, being going into the Thanksgiving season... And I'm really concerned about our nation being full of unthankful people. And I saw this prayer, and I've added to it. I've made a little Beth changes in it, but I thought it was good. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. For such a time as this, Holy Father, open our eyes as a nation and allow us to see ourselves the way you see us. We as a nation desire to gratify the flesh instead of being filled with your spirit. We have allowed your name to be blasphemed through media, in our schools, by elected officials, and from the pulpits. We continue to see evil as good and good as evil. Our love of money and fame and power has caused us to sin greatly against you, and your commandments. Forgive us, Lord. Turn your wrath from us and heal our land. Protect us, Abba Father, from the evil one. Hold him and his army back that we might once again understand he is already defeated by you. I pray for your protection over Donald J. Trump and his family, and I also pray for others who are attempting to turn this nation around to bring America home to you. May we again turn back to you with grateful hearts, willing and eager to share your love and to teach and live your righteousness, the good news. For such a time as this, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins and allow this country to once again glorify you. Amen. I think that's something that's happened in this country. We have been, and we're going to see some hard times. And I hope that I'm wrong. But many seem to be content in making sure that that happens. However, it is my prayer that we will once again become a grateful people. And that our lives will glorify the Lord. Well, last night, we saw another shooting took place in a Walmart. Was that in Ohio again? Virginia. Virginia. Yes, it was Virginia. Ohio was where the students were stabbed to death. You know, media is more available, so we hear more of these things. It was one of their own that did the shooting there in this Walmart center what is causing 
Americans to believe that they, in their anger and their frustration and their depression, the taking a life of someone else is going to fix their problems. Forty suspects on FBI's terror watch list were arrested at the border in October. Forty. Alejandro Mayorkas says the border is secure. I call him the possum man. A DOJ is uh, Merrick Garland. You know, a possum is a weasel, right? He attacks the Border Patrol for trying to round up illegals. Remember that? And Schumer, you know, they all say there's no problem at the border, that it's all okay. But Schumer wants 11 million illegal aliens to be given amnesty. And the immigration law set forth by Congress and the current man as president refuses to enforce them. And that is his job. Well, that's if we really believe we have a constitution. America, the American crisis continues. As we read through the headlines and try to glean some kind of substance from all the happenings and rhetoric, it grows more and more obvious that we, the people, are in a heap of trouble. The crisis isn't the climate. That's a lie. It isn't even the border or the economy, which are truly in a critical way. The real crisis is the hollow and empty hearts of Americans' leadership, as well as the very soul of our nation. It's bleeding for the lack of liberty. But the truth is, truly, truly, it is the lack of God in our nation and in our hearts. Oh, he's here. We're just ignoring and disobeying his word and his commandments. We will talk about the road back to him, back to a constitutional republic, which really has, you know, it's not really about God in that sense. It's all about God. What, what would I, I think I'm saying that backwards. It's about God and his word more than it is about the constitution or the republic. But it must start with each individual. Each one of us must be repentant. We must all have humility, be humbled. And then we must be brave and we must be wise. Tomorrow, a nation, America, it's just us, you know. We will have a day of thanksgiving. There are many who will fail to be thankful. They're already talking about it on the air. It's just craziness. They choose this, and they choose to live without joy. This was our devotion this morning in the office. We do a devotional every morning, and I thought it was fitting to share. I actually said, you know, I'm going to take that and read it to my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. So I got a copy of it. Sail set toward joy. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. That's out of Proverbs 15:13, and this devotional is written by Chuck Swindoll. I have discovered that a joyful countenance has nothing to do with one's age or one's occupation or lack of it or one's geography or education or marital status or good looks or circumstances. Joy is a choice. It is a matter of attitude that stems from one's confidence in God that he is at work, that he is in full control, that he is in the midst of whatever has happened or is happening or will happen. Either we fix our minds on that 
and determined to laugh again, or we wail and whine our way through life, complaining that we never got a fair shake. We are the ones who consciously determine which way we shall go. Regardless how severely the winds of adversity may blow, we set our our souls, our sails, toward joy. We must choose to be joyful. We must choose to be thankful. It is our choice. And Americans have been selfish and making bad choices for a very, very long time. I have a Rhode Island... um, I have an article about a Rhode Island school district. And I know I'm going to run out of time here real quick, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some headlines. And we're not going to talk about every one of these headlines, but I think these headlines tell a tale about where we are in this nation. Biden to extend the loan pause for the court battle over the forgiveness of of, uh, drags on campuses and in schools. We lost our purpose. The Border Patrol sees a surge in suicide and moral morale plummets. One is the one we're going to share with you. Rhode Island official shares an extreme view that using the wrong pronoun is an act of violence. And you know what? I have a cure for that. China promotes Guitar World Cup and it owns and its own soccer kitish. And human rights are outcry. There's so much going on, and I think it's time we made some choices, America, to be joyful, to be thankful, and to bring America home. You can look for the silver lining, or you can strengthen your portfolio with gold and silver. Optimism is planning for your own financial future. Melody Cedarstrom of Discount Gold and Silver Trading has been watching our economy and the banksters for well over 20 years. The U.S. has an unsustainable debt. While the timing of a collapse cannot be predicted, we know the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back weighs heavier and heavier with each new stimulus and omnibus bill. Because of our debt and the lack of solid backing, those fiat dollars in your pocket continue to deflate in value. However, gold stays true, true wealth. Give Melody Cedarstrom a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future, agrees that America is blessed with an abundance of reliable energy sources. Our natural resources are the lifeblood of our nation and have made our nation prosperous. Rural America is the heart of production in this nation. Our food, manufacturing, trucking, and yes, our energy. Power the Future promotes jobs in rural America, specifically our energy jobs. These jobs are all under attack. Wealthy radicals like Tom Steyer's and George Soros promise to break the nation's energy independence. Their beloved Green New Deal attacks all that is good in this nation. Our food, our land, our jobs, our families, and of course, our gassy cows. Power the Future is fighting for you, rural America. Join them. Visit PowerTheFuture.com. See the latest news and donate to those who are fighting for you. PowerTheFuture.com. Power the Future is fighting to keep America's lights on. 
Made in America is more than just a slogan. It's a brand we all look for to better this nation's economy. Liberty Tabletop is the brand of Cheryl Manufacturing, the only manufacturer of flatware in the United States of America. Liberty Tabletop creates high-quality flatware at a competitive price using the finest quality 1810 chromium nickel stainless steel. Oh, and by the way, the steel they use is also made in the USA. The steel is tested for lead and other toxic trace elements, so you bring to your family a safe, and pure product that will last for generations. Setting your table is an important part of every meal. The patterns you choose say something about you and your family. Bringing America home with LibertyTabletop.com or go to my website, csetalkradio.com, and click on their link. Call Liberty Tabletop at 844-386-2338. Use the promo code BETHANN and receive 10% off your purchase. LibertyTabletop.com. And we have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. So Rhode Island official, this is one of the uh, school officials, elected officials, um, I guess a school board member, says that she has an extreme view that using the wrong pronoun is an act of violence. So I have this article, it's from Fox News, and Hannah Grossman is the one who wrote this article. It says, Rhode Island elected official in a school district who was previously accused of pushing a Marxist agenda said the misgendering, using the wrong pronouns, was an act of violence and needs to be dealt with accordingly. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Jennifer Lima is her name, or Lima, it's like spelled like Lima Bean, is a school committee member for the North Kingstown School District and is involved in bringing anarchist and anti-racist uh, policies into the district. And in 2021 now, she faced a recall effort, but they failed to get her out. She claims that that's proof that people really want this to be taught. I don't think so. I think it's proof that people don't get out and vote. And I also think it's proof that people are a little bit afraid of what they say or do. She is involved in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, I want to I make this very clear. Ec- diversity, equity, and inclusion. These who are teaching this critical race theory, it is the opposite of what they say. Diversity, they're separating. They're not bringing people together. They're separating them by genders. <laughs> <laughs> by skin colors. And equity is the opposite of equality. They are basically telling these young people, you are not equal to him, so we are going to help you, lift you up so you can be equal to him. This is a, a form of um, not just the redistribution of wealth, but, but which it is, but it's also the redistribution of everything else. They don't want anybody to be, they don't want everyone to be equal. Equity is a lie. And inclusion, they want anything but inclusion. They want to exclude you. That's why she makes this statement of violence. She is the one promoting the violence. She says, I also believe that purposely misgendering someone is an act of psychological violence 
when done deliberately and consistently and should be responded to accordingly. What does that mean? Dealt with accordingly. Well, Nicole Solace, a senior fellow for the Independent Women's Forum, has this to say. Her public call for students to respond accordingly to non-existent violence is her own tactic call for violence against those who oppose her radical ideology. If you don't agree with her, then you are going to be violently dealt with. That's what that Solace claims that uh, Lima or Lima, however you say her name, complaints are, are being seen. She's the one truly promoting the violence. She creates a hostile and a paranoid school environment where violence is now more likely to happen thanks to her hysterical message that danger lurks around every pronoun. Well, I came up with this idea this morning. Now, you're going to laugh at me, and, and that's okay because I am only halfway serious. But at the same time, maybe we should... Talk like a Quaker. Thee and thou, your and yours, you and yours, those two might be okay. For regardless of what you claim your identity to be, you still are you, right? That still might be unsafe, though. Thou should stick with thee. This will make take much practice. Thou should find thee a partner to converse with, and restrain from any other pronouns except thee and thou. Thee can use thou or thee, either one. Thee could be, perhaps, speak in third person. Thou mightest find the, thee in good company. Thee shall be so confused that thou knewest of old language. Thee shall be free from any accusations of violent behavior. Yes. Thee should talk like a Quaker, and thou, world, mightest be a better place. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Wait, thee can't handle the truth. <laughs> Wait, thee can't handle the truth. Rudy, thee can't handle the truth. Thou, it's, thou it's, and these. It's kind of hard to be violent when you're rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> we should practice this. Thee should practice this in the office. That will be a safer place for us. <laughs> for thee, now go for right thee. just ahead. <laughs> I'm not making fun out. of Quakers, but I am say, I'm making fun of these people that think that the pronouns have somehow become the enemy. The truth is, thee don't know who thee are. <laughs> That's the truth of it all. Well... I do have an article about Thee Can't Handle the Truth, and it is in a, a serious form. And this is really serious, too, that we even have people like this, <laughs> that, like Thee even have people like these <laughs> that are leading our children in a school environment. But did you happen to see what happened to Fauci yesterday? Jean-Pierre, what is her name, Jean-Pierre? She got angry yesterday at some of the media because they wanted to ask Fauci a question, and she was protecting Fauci, and she wasn't going to let them question Fauci outside of 
what they were going to be allowed to question Fauci. And, of course, what did they want to question Fauci about? <gasps> wow, where did the Chinese virus come from? What did you have to do with it? And these were some of the other medias, not just the conservative medias. And one happened to be a black journalist that was going at it with her, and she told him, I'm done with you. <laughs> she, she got angry. Said, I'm huh? done with thee. Thou, yeah, but she didn't use the right pronoun. Thou I'm certain. spoketh out of turn. <laughs> thou should sit down. <laughs> Thee should learn thy place. <laughs> All right. I left out the thighs. We could, not, we could have thy to thy, thee, and thou. All right. But Fauci is scheduled to give a final briefing, and I believe that was yesterday. So it didn't go well for him. Before he leaves the government, he thinks resigning will prevent him from being held accountable, but he's wrong. He'll be bringing in, he'll be bringing him in in ASAP, and this is a quote from Andy Biggs. You know, it's when you read just the headlines, it's enough to make the tremble. <laughs> I have uh, relatives on the Sumter side that were Quakers, and I I think Quakers were good people. Did you know Betsy Ross? was a Quaker. And when she married her husband, her first husband, he was not a Quaker. And so she had to leave the the home where she grew up. She had to leave that, uh, for a lack of a better word, commune, that church, because she married outside the Quaker faith. So Quakers go way back in this country Many of the pilgrims were Quakers, and they have a very deep faith. So while we're kidding about the these and the thous, we should get back into the word of God. And that is how this country should be led. This article is very lengthy, but it, I almost, I'm jealous of it because he says so many things that I wished I could have written and said in my book <laughs> because I deal with the principles. But he says the hard truth, the hard truths, plural, and radical possibilities. And this is a quote from the article. Only by confronting the most uncomfortable truths about our lost, he says Republican heritage, it's republic. Will be will we summon the necessary courage and strength to fight for its recovery? And in my and we deal with this, we are going to deal with this tomorrow and Friday, the lost principles of our republic. And he hits it from a different angle here. His name is Glenn Elmers. And we're gonna talk about that just a little bit here in the next two segments. However, Rudy and I have a presentation to you about unemployment in the United States of America. It's done with a Abbott Costello style, and I think you'll enjoy it. Maybe it'll give you a chuckle. I hope if I've... I know you're busy in the kitchens today, but I hope that you're having a little chance to take a coffee break with Beth Ann, and, and hopefully we've brought a little smile to the face. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio, and now she'll be right back.
And we have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. So Rudy and I are going to do this little uh, demonstration, or uh, it's just a little fun thing. If you remember, we did it several years ago, a different one on a different thing. And it's Abbott Costello's, like, who's on first? And he's going to be Costello, and I'm going to be Abbott. And the topic of this is unemployment. And so let's take it from there. I'm not sure why, but I do want to talk about the unemployment rate in America. Yeah, it's terrible. It's about 9%. Wow, that many people are out of work? No, there's 24% of people out of work. You just said 9%. Yeah, 9% are unemployed. Right, 9% are out of work. No, no, no. That's 24%. Okay, so it's 24% unemployed. No, no, that's 9% unemployed. Wait a minute. Is it 9% or 24%? 9% are unemployed. 24% are out of work. Uh, okay, so if you're out of work, you're unemployed? No, not really. Just because you're out of work doesn't mean you're unemployed. You have to be looking for work to be unemployed. But they're out of work. No, you missed my point. What point is that? <laughs> Someone who doesn't look for work can't be counted with those who look for work. It wouldn't be fair. To who? To the unemployed. But they're all out of work. No, the unemployed are actively looking for work. Those are who are out of work and stopped looking. They gave up. And if you give up, you are no longer counted as unemployed. You see, the fact is today we have way too many people not working because unemployment benefits are no longer just a short-term bridge to the next job. Bringing unemployment not out of work has become a way of life. You know, this goes way back to the Clinton uh, era <laughs> administration when they decided to play a little trick on the American people as to who was unemployed and who is out of work. <laughs> so if you have been out of work for X amount of time and you're no longer getting unemployment or you're not looking for a job, you're not considered out of work or unemployed. <laughs> The has been confusing. Yeah, and we starteth over. I am confused. <laughs> Thou is confused. The is confused. Thy is... Oh, my. Okay. Let's settle down just a little bit here. We've had a lot of fun today. We're all a little uh, slap happy. We're getting ready to have our turkey comas tomorrow. <laughs> and my family's all coming in. We're very, very excited. This is the every other year when we all get together. And I've got a granddaughter that I haven't seen in a while, a long time. She had a new baby this year. I haven't seen the new baby. He's going to be three months old. And they're all coming in. And my uh, grandson who's married, he and his wife are expecting their first. And they're coming down. And all my children will be in tomorrow evening. And we are very, very excited about it. And the house is going to be shaking. So the neighborhood's going to say, are we having a quake? Is that a shimmer? Is that, you know, did, did I feel, you know, a little shaking going on? Yeah, that's that's just all the little ones running around in my house. We will have 33 people in the house at one point in time tomorrow evening. Maybe 34 if Albert's mom decides to get out. She's 98. Oh, and you're going to show up. Yes, he's going to show up to say hi to my kiddos because he loves them. And he's expecting leftover dessert. <laughs> well, this is about the hard truths and the radical possibilities. 
And when you start, when I start reading this to you, when I start sharing what he's saying in this article, it seems very hopeless. But I want you to hang in there, okay? The Constitutional Republic, created by our founders, no longer exists. Most everyone on the right seems to agree with that, though we differ about how deep the rot is and whether we are now living under a new regime that is essentially different in kind, not merely a degree. Most of us all agree that we want to restore the American founders' principles and institutions. He says, I'm setting aside for now those on the right who share our disgust with the woke oligarchy, but who have given up on or never believed in Republican government I would prefer something else, like a monarchy. But how exactly we recover the founders' constitutionalism is a question no one has been able to answer with any specificity. (laughs) Specifically. (laughs) They couldn't specify. Any course of action has to be clear about where we are and the challenges we face. The following outline, he's got it all outlined here, and we're just going to kind of skim through. I'm not going to read the entire thing to you, but it is intended to help us think about the questions. Here are just a few key things to think about. Number one, you know he used Roman Roman noodles. He used Roman noodles. (laughs) It's live radio, people. It's live radio. And um, I'm a little slap happy. Elections. Rudy, stop it. Elections and therefore consent and proper sovereignty are no longer meaningful. Did you hear that? Elections are no longer meaningful. That just kind of pierces your gut, doesn't it? This is the big one, he says, and in a way, everything flows from it. It is helpful to break it down into two discrete pieces. First, even if conducted legitimately, elections no longer reflect the will of the people. Now, we talked about this with McConnell. He's the, he doesn't mention this in here. He goes a little deeper into other things. But Mitch McConnell chose to ignore the people's choices during the primaries so that he would make sure The people's choices did not get elected during the final election. So we know that the elections are manipulated. But is that what he's talking about? He says, set it aside for a moment. Any concerns about outright fraud and ballot tampering? The steady growth of an administrative state since the 1960s, and this is what we have been saying for so long, The bureaucracy has become increasingly indifferent to, even openly hostile to, the will of the people over the last half century. In America, we don't elect the bureaucracy, yet they're the ones dictating, writing down mandates, regulations, restrictions, permits, Licenses, demanding these things, and fines. The consent of the governed had nothing to do with that. 
did it. Second, and he goes into much more here. I'm just kind of skimming across. Elections now represent, represent manufactured consent. He said, Molly Hemingway, and I did not read this book, and they say it was really a great book. Now, she's with The Federalist. Molly Hemingway showed in her excellent book, Rigged, that the technically legal, though unscrupulous maneuvers undertaken by the left, including the legacy and social media propaganda and censorship, last-minute changes to the election laws and private money poured into partisan voter education efforts, were more than enough to alter the outcome of the 2020 election. Now, we know that they did other kind of alterations, too. The Dominion machines were messed with, my friends. But, he says, the new reality became even clearer this month. The highly manipulative practice of ballot harvesting, which reached new lows of cynicism in the recent midterms, makes a mockery of elections as an expression of the popular deliberation and rational will of the people. We're in a mess. The American crisis continues. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. He does come to a conclusion at the end of this, so you hang on. We have things to be joyful and hopeful and grateful for, and we'll be right back. Have you heard about vine-to-bar chocolate? It's the winemaker's chocolate, the world's first chocolate made with well-vined Chardonnay Mark from the beautiful coastal vineyards of North America. Gently pressed grapes are harvested after juicing, dried, and finely milled and carefully blended into the finest dark chocolate. The Chardonnay Mark contains highly beneficial grape nutrients, flavanols, and has a natural sweetness that flavors the luscious dark chocolate. Mouthwatering, flavorful, delectable dark chocolate goodness with Chardonnay sweetness and beneficial nutrients. And it's alcohol-free, too. It's Vine to Bar chocolate. Order some today at vinetobar.com. That's V-I-N-E-T-O-B-A-R.com. Cold ship to your door, it's Vine to Bar. Vine to Bar chocolate. Visit us at vinetobar.com. Mike Lindell and MyPillow are offering a BOGO extravaganza on multiple MyPillow products. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their sleep with MyPillow. Right now, take advantage of Mike's buy one, get one free pricing on MyPillow's bed sheets, Giza Elegance MyPillows, six-piece towel set, and roll-and-go anywhere MyPillows, and so much more. Just go to the radio listener specials page at MyPillow.com and use promo code Bethann or call 1-800-978-6168. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on select products. You will also receive Mike's book absolutely free with any purchase. Call 1-800-978-6168 or go to the radio listener special page at MyPillow.com. Promo code Bethann. 
Hey, pack rat. Yeah, you. Are you moving cross country and you just don't know who to call? Call us right now. Listen, you've probably seen one of our containers in your neighborhood. But did you know that we can help you move anywhere in the United States? It's real simple. We'll drop a container off at the location you tell us to bring it to. You pack up your valuable possessions at your leisure. They stay safe right in your home. And when you're ready, call us. We'll come and pick up the container and give you a scheduled date of when your furniture and the other possessions will be at your new home. So if you're moving across country or across town, be a pack rat. Join the pack rat family. Call pack rat right now for your free quote. See y'all later, pack rats. 800-761-3146. That's 800-761-3146. Hi, I'm Elmer Heinrich. My company sells a nutritional product called Immuno 150. If you haven't heard of it, you need to go to the website immuno150.com or call our toll-free number. Now, we sell to thousands of consumers, and our reorder rate is above 94%. Now, many people ask us how we can sell a month's supply of Immuno 150 for less than $50 when most of our competition is $70 to $80 a month. It's simple. We don't pay celebrities or testimonial people to say something good about the product. Immuno 150 stands on its own with 70 minerals and 80 other nutrients. It doesn't need any help, and it has more than color, taste, and smell. I am 88 years old, and my wife is 79, both with no dementia, arthritis, or allergies, and no aches or pains of any kind, nothing, all because of Immuno 150. Now, check the number of minerals in the product you take. Don't be surprised if you don't find more than 12. Order Immuno 150 to see what 70 minerals can do for you. Call our toll-free number, 888-316-2224. And we have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. We are in the final segment of today's show. It was my hope. We just got a little bit silly. Um, I hope you understand we're trying to make light of things that are very serious and, and hope that we can at least humor ourselves to the serious side, if that's even a possibility. And understand that God is still in control. He says number two here, the idea that the founder's institutional arrangements still obtain is nostalgic fiction today. Especially the idea of checks and balances based on federalism and the separation of powers. Now you can stop and think about that. We have three branches of government. And they are to have separate powers. They have different responsibilities. And they fall in such a way that they can check and balance one another according to the Constitution of the United States of America. Yesterday, I do not have the article on it, the Supreme Court allowed the Democrats to take Donald Trump's tax returns. That's not a checks and balances. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing constitutional about that. Nothing. He mentions in this, and and Rudy, I thought of you and I, because we failed. We were going to read, you know, a lot of people, my brother does, he, he tries to read, and my sister, they read their Bible through every year. They start at the beginning in January, and they read it through. 
and, and you can do this. I've done it before, but you can do this um, in a year's time, and they actually have it laid out for you so you know exactly you read certain chapters in the New and the Old Testament each night or each day whenever you do your Bible reading. But we had said earlier in the year, and lots of things have happened this year, that we were going to read the Federalist Papers again. And I've never read it all the way through. I, I just heard everybody gasp out there. It's kind of like reading the these and the thous. <laughs> it is it is a difficult a difficult read. I have Mary Webster's uh, rendition of it, which is a little better. And she has a book. I only have mine. Um, but she sells a book, and it's hardbound. It's beautiful that has the Constitution in it and the Federalist Papers, and you can kind of go back and forth. But he makes the comment in this section, the Federalist has become the owner's manual to a car that no longer runs or was stolen long ago or that somebody never reads. Who reads the owner's manual? Probably Rudy. (laughs) He loves cars. Who reads the owner's manual? You get it out when you got a jam. You get it out when something isn't working right. He said, Congress doesn't write the laws. The executive branch does not enforce them. And the judiciary does not interpret the laws. Power and wealth have become massively centralized in Washington, D.C. Federalism. Judicial review, executive authority, the legislative process, appropriations, none of this remains operational in a way that James Madison would recognize it. And now the country's most powerful corporations are in active collusion with the federal security apparatus to enforce the regime's authority. That's practicality. And that's practically the definition of fascism. You know, the thing they say they're against is the very thing that they are. Have you ever noticed that? When Hillary calls you a basket deplorables, that's exactly what she is. We're in a pretend world in America today. He says political competence in the traditional sense, is becoming irrelevant. Now you stop and think about that. All we have to do is read the headlines. When on earth did we ever think we would be in America thinking evil was good and good was evil, even though the scripture says people will be that way? Or that there's more than two genders, two sexes, and that you're offending a man if you say he can't have a baby? The men in my household rejoice that they can't give birth. He talks a little bit about Donald Trump, his flaws, and what he did right, what he did wrong. And he actually talks about Ron DeSantis, what he did good and what maybe he won't be able to do. And he doesn't really pit them against each other. He's just comparing the two of where they've been and what they have done. And we know one of the main things that Donald Trump did wrong was not realize how deep, how corrupt Our government truly is. He on his inauguration speech, which everyone in the media said was a dark speech, said we will restore the republic. 
But the problem is, it also says to reinstate the lost principles. But we don't know what those principles are because we've been away from that so long. He says any president, he, he talks about both these men and anybody else, seeking to restore constitutional government would need large majorities in both houses of Congress committed to reform for more seriously than the current Republican leadership seems to be. Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to change a lot. He wants to stay employed. We don't have statesmen. I believe Donald Trump was a statesman, or is. But I'm not sure that he understands the Constitution. And I don't believe his faith is as deep as it could be. So that's one of those prayers for him. Number four in here, he says, the moral habits of self-government have been crippled. Since the federal behemoth hasn't been responsive to popular will in several generations and has steadily undermined the moral basis of healthy families and personal responsibility, it's hardly surprising that the American people have gradually lost the habits and virtues necessary for self-government. There is no short-term solution for this, he says. Number five, by carrying on with retail politics and accepting the current situation as normal, people on the right are now legitimizing and strengthening their enemies. He actually says in here what I said about the Republicans now think they should do as the Democrats do in the elections with the mailing ballots and the harvesting of ballots. And, and he says, I don't see that going good. He goes on in here, and at the very end, he really talks about bringing America home. If honor and virtue can still triumph, it will only be when we appreciate how needful they are. That means we have to be honest with ourselves. The first half of this essay paints a dire picture, but my confronting and accepting the most uncomfortable, only by doing this, uncomfortable truths of the lost republic, can we actually strengthen it and recover it and I'm going to say and bring America home.